0: How y'all think I'm going to preach after that. (laughs) Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we love you so much today. Dear God, we're grateful for the opportunity that we would be able to make this journey together. We've been through many hard trials and sicknesses and deaths and so many things together. How we long for that day when we'll all be able to stand before you. The most important thing in our lives, Lord, is that you'll be pleased with us. I know I'm satisfied with you. You've been so good to me. You've kept me. You've helped me. I just want you to be satisfied with me. Lord God, I'm sure that every Christian standing here today or those under the sound of my voice, that's their greatest desire. To be able to hear you say those words, well done. Two of the most powerful, phenomenal words a human being can ever hear said. From Almighty God, well done. I pray when our story is written, may it be like Abraham Don't mention our failures, our weaknesses, and the times when we felt like we couldn't go on. But may it be said about us too, I staggered not at the promise of God. We love you so much today, Jesus. Thank you for your kindness to us. Help us, Lord, as we look into your word today. May we be benefited by our gathering together in church today, Lord it's such an honor for us to be together Lord God I pray for this prayer calls that I have Lord Brother Joel receiving this request for this young man I looked at his picture that he sent me I thought poor little guy dealing with this thing nothing but the devil to attack his body but in the name of Jesus may the spirit of God move for him Lord every other need and request that you're today would you meet it Father According to your greatness, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm just happy to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be a Christian, isn't it? Let's turn to the book of Romans, if you would, chapter 8 today. And uh, while you're turning there, let me get through all the birthdays and all that sort of thing. I want to wish Ashley and Courtney a happy birthday on Friday. I'd like to wish Carol a happy 50th wedding anniversary yesterday. I'd like to wish Carol a happy birthday today. I'll not tell you how old she is. And I'd also like to wish Scotty, my son-in-law, a happy birthday tomorrow also like to wish Emma and Ellie a happy birthday tomorrow and anybody else that's here. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. So when I forget this week, I'm in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Isn't that awesome? The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, wow, what a big little word. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So you mean being sons and daughters and heirs and joint heirs is attached, has an attachment called suffering, according to what Paul said. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. May the Lord bless His words. You may be seated. I don't think there's any man that's ever really loved his wife that would not share everything that he had. Fifty years ago, when Carol and I got married, I was working at the Anchor Motel in Monticello, Kentucky. It was on Sunday. They made me work on Sunday morning. So Carol was anxiously awaiting for me to get off work. I didn't have much to give her. I had no home. She had a rambler, an American rambler. Anybody know what them are? Antiques now, I wish we had that car. She had an American rambler and I had a 53 Ford truck. We didn't have a house to live in. I had no money, had nothing to give her, no insurance, And I do not preach this as the way you're supposed to marry a woman. I was in ignorance. But I was greatly in love. (laughs) But what I had was hers. You're laughing, right? You think, well, you just told us you didn't have anything. Well, no, I didn't. But I, I had my heart. And my loyalty and my love, and my integrity. She's had that all these years. I know it don't seem like much to you, but it was all that I had, and it's who I was. So for some, whenever they get married, they marry a rich man's son. His dad's a corporate guy. Flies on private jets, rubs shoulders with the up and up. People know him by name, been to the White House a few times. Or maybe he's a local businessman. you're in Johnson City. The people on the boards know him, and people see him and shake his hand and speak to him, and he has a reputation. And his wife is not ashamed to say, well, who's your husband? Who are you married to? Well, I'm married to so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a big guy with the Johnson City. Song. Yeah, yeah, that's my husband. But what if we could be married to the king of the universe who owns everything? Not only owns it, but made it. Then he would want to share what he is and what he has with us. Would he not? I mean, your brothers felt that way. Mother, wife, you married. Whatever you had, not only from that point, but from that point on, whatever you would have, you would give to her. There's a lady at T.J. Maxx shown in Johnson City, and. She's worked there for years and years, and for years, Carol and I have been there, and this lady has watched the purchases that we have made. Of course, I'm surrounded by women. Married a wife, thank God. Two daughters, six granddaughters, three sets of twins. So a big portion of the purchases that we have made there have been... Women's dresses, girls' dresses, women's shoes, girls' shoes, women's, girls, women's, girls. So one day, this lady asked me, she said, don't you ever get anything? (laughs) So I said, yes, ma'am, every now and then I do. I said, but me and my wife, we made this agreement whenever we got married, how many ever years ago, whenever I told this to her, probably 10 or 12 years ago, I said, we made this agreement that everything would be 50-50. So she's just standing there waiting for the rest of the story. And I told her our agreement was it would be $50 for her, 50 cents for me. I can see some of you sisters like that agreement. Sorry, brothers. Sorry, Brother Timothy. And you know, when I look at it, what's the Lord? I don't feel like it's $50 and 50 cents. I feel like it would be more like $500 trillion that I get. And he gets a nickel from me. Now, maybe some of you have a higher esteem of yourself than I do. But the closer I get to him, the more I realize how little I've done for him. I used to hear Brother Branham as he would say that he had sat back up on the headboard and put his hands behind his head, something like this. I would imagine, and he began to think about that song, Lord, let me look past the curtain of time. And as he did, a voice said, Would you like to look past the curtain of time? And he said, Yes, it would help me so much. And as he lay there, he thought, Boy, you're past 50 years old. You haven't done anything for God. Now listen, past 50. By that time, millions had already been touched by his ministry. Thousands had been saved. Thousands had received the Holy Ghost. Thousands times thousands had been led to the Lord. And as I first come to the message and i hear him say that, and you remember about the time frame it was in early 1960 when he had this visitation, I thought, well, you know, maybe it was just him saying that in a humble way. But as I learned more about him and about his ministry, I realized, no, that wasn't him saying it in a humble way. That's the way he thought about himself. And I've realized great people, the closer they get to God, it's not the bigger they think they are. It's the smaller they realize they are. You see, those who think they are so great and just go on and on and on about themselves, whether or not you understand it, it shows us a true picture. That person isn't very close to God at all. Because if we ever get very close to Him, we realize how great and wonderful that He really, really is. How insignificant and how small and what little we all have done. And yet, when we stand there that day, Brother George Bertram, which used to come to the church, I pastored in Kentucky. He lived there in a little place called Albany, Kentucky. Brother Branham came to his house, 1965. Brother George had a cheese plant where they made the cheese and the curd stage and the raw stage and real fine, crumbly looking stuff. Brother Branham came there and Brother George and his wife liked antiques, and he came to Brother George's house. Brother George said he wouldn't even sit on the furniture. He sat on the floor and sat cross-legged like an Indian. And he would cross his legs and sit there. They tried, begged him to sit on the furniture. No, 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 that's such pretty pretty stuff. I, I, I wouldn't want to sit on that, so he sits in the floor. Brother George said he was a type of a man that would talk about you and make you think you were so great, and you were just so this and that. I wonder sometimes if we understand what greatness really is. And yet this great one, the Lord Jesus that we're talking about, wants to share Everything he has with us. And he doesn't want to wait till the other side for everything to be shared. But alas, there are some things that cannot be shared until we get to the other side. Much of what we get is absolutely given to us as a free gift. With no work, no praying, no fasting, no labor on our part. But there are some things that he wants to give us that requirements are made. And one of these rights that he wishes to share with his bride is the right to reign. To be on a throne with Him, to Him that overcometh, will be granted the right, the privilege, the honor, to sit with Him on His throne, as He is overcome and set down with His Father in His throne. Can you and I imagine this morning that when the rapture? takes place this word will so make us ready we will go straight from Johnson City Kingsport Bristol wherever it is you live straight from this world into the presence of God and we will be so prepared by the word and the ministry that God's given you will need no supplements. You will need nothing along the way between here and heaven to make you a better person, to finish up what you've lacked. This word will produce such a character of people. In one moment, you are a mortal, facing all kinds of battles, all kinds of trials. And in the next moment, you will be standing there in a body that is made like unto his own glorious body. You will then be changed and brought into the court of his majesty. I'm not talking about now a place where a judge is or maybe a mayor. And a few years ago, Brother Mike Wals took us to the White House. We was able to go to the White House and see some of the different famous people. And while I was standing there, the vice president at the time, Mike Pence, came out and was shaking hands with the people. And I got to shake his hand. The bodyguards, of course, all around him and they rushed him through. I have to say that was quite an honor. Seeing people that are The rich and the famous, but who are they compared to Jesus? You and I would never more than likely be allowed to step into the White House. We'd never be a personal guest of the president or of some great person. And yet, the greatest one that ever lived invites you daily into his courts. And what's so sad is there's days that go by and we don't even go. We don't even use that opportunity that is given to each of us to come into the presence of Almighty God. And I find that so amazing that he understands the frailty and the weakness of our humanity. And he loves us in spite of ourself. Aren't you glad he does? Now Paul, when he taps into this in verse 17, he said, if children then heirs, heirs of God, and John heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. I want you to notice how Paul So, I use the word prudently. As he sets forth this high, exalted position, he elevates them to this top part of this verse. Notice what he does before he introduces the word suffer. He elevates them to a position that only God could do. So he says that if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And he goes from that to the very next part of this verse, if so be that we suffer. He didn't mention the suffer part first, but he mentioned the great elevation that God had given by grace. Then he brings in The painful part, the higher joy, the higher glorification first, then the pain, then the suffering, the pleasure, the happiness, the extreme joy, and then the pain, the suffering. How many suffered as a Christian? If you've been saved very long, I guarantee you, you have. What's amazing is that all of those of us who suffer as being a Christian, that is attributed for the sake of the gospel. Now, whether you're a young sister that is laughed at because of your hair, your dress, because you don't have makeup, whether you're a young boy, that's laughed at because you don't uh, talk and drink and cuss and act like the other young boys at school or at college where you go. Whatever it is that you go through, the Lord Jesus actually attributes that to your account as if though it was himself being persecuted again. So everything that you go through, Peter Says it this way in First Peter chapter four verse sixteen. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, now all of us suffer things that are self inflicted. We can do some pretty dumb stuff, can't we? Yes. Well, come on, be honest. We have all done pretty dumb stuff. We've acted dumb. We've talked dumb. We've just acted, you know, pretty ignorant sometimes and then we've suffered because of that, but you're not suffering because you're a Christian when you do something stupid. That's your own stupidity and mine, right? But now Peter wants to characterize and show them the differentiation between them doing something and messing up, and then suffering a persecution because of it, or if any man will suffer as a Christian. Now, notice what we're supposed to do. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I'm still working on the last part of that verse because there's a reproach, there's a pain, There can be great sorrow and difficulty in suffering for the cause of Christ. Now some would take this as if though that it's only say martyrs or only those that are uh, persecuted because they're a preacher but not so. You see God will commit some to death. God will commit some to suffering in their body. He himself has the power to heal them. Wouldn't even have to say a word. All he'd have to do is just look their direction that thing would be gone. But he actually incorporates their life into bringing glory to God by bearing something sometimes for many years. And yet it is attributed to bringing glory and honor to the kingdom of God of God. Turn with me to John chapter 9. A very familiar story that all you Bible readers know and I'm sure you love it. John chapter 9, it is about the blind man. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Now let's get the setting. We don't know exactly how old the man was. But he's not considered a boy or a youth. He's actually identified As a man. And if you read uh, whenever you want to, on down, of course, to verse 7, 8, 9, 10, on down, you'll find, I think it's in verse 8, that the Bible says that he sat there as a beggar. Now, I want you to think the background of this is he was born blind. He had never seen in his entire life. So he was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So you mean this man sat there for years, for years, waiting for the works of God to be made manifest in his life. I wonder how much he was ridiculed, how he was laughed at. Now, this man, as far as we know, ever become a preacher. But yet, the Lord God was able to do something through his life that he never done through Peter. And that was that the works of God. You see, God needed someone in this kind of condition. Well, couldn't the Lord have allowed some accident to happen just, say, a week prior to this? And the man, will say, fell out of a tree and got a concussion and he lost his sight and he couldn't see. Well, he went to one doctor and another and said, you know what? It looks like that you're just blind for the rest of your life and it only happened a week ago. Well, then Jesus would have come to town a week later and the man would have come up and the prayer line is would say and the Lord Jesus would have healed the man and his suffering would have been very short-lived. But every local person knew this man. So the length of time was a further vindication of the glory and the power of God. Amen. Now, had he fallen out of a tree or some type of freak's accident, then the people said, well, his sight just come back. Well, the doctor would say, well, why sure, yeah, we've seen that before. That's what it was. But God wanted it to be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was the healer. Amen. But have you ever thought about the pain this man must have bore, to give God these years of his life. How many summers was he robbed? How many beautiful flowers he never got to see? Maybe he would ask people, what does the sun look like? I feel it. I feel it. I come here early of the morning and I shiver in the cold and it's chilly, but I can feel something as it touches my skin and warms my hand and I feel it as it moves up my arm and then touches my face. Well, that, that's the sun. Well, what does it look like exactly? Well, it's a great bright ball in the, in the sky and it's great illuminating light and, And then, well, tell me me something else. What's that out here? Oh, that's a bird. A bird. What kind of color? I don't know. It's just a bird. You know, people like us that see it every day, and we don't even pay no attention to it. We don't even thank God for the breath of air that we breathe, and we don't thank him because we can walk. Come on. We don't thank him because we got two hands and two arms that we can raise and praise him you know how we are, we just take it for granted. But wait, well, tell me, what's the bird look like? What color? I don't know, I've heard it all in my life. I, I don't know what it is, it's just a bird. Well, somebody please tell me, what, what's, the, what's the plumage on the bird? Well, what about this? What about that? He had been robbed for years for this reason. The glory of God needed to be made manifest. Brother Paul, I wonder how many times he was laughed at. You know how cruel people can be. I wonder how many times he was made fun of. He had no way of making a living. He was a beggar. Can you imagine begging every day of your life? And yet Jesus says, But the works of God should be made manifest in him. So Jesus was going to prove that he was God. By opening a blind man's eyes that had been blind from his birth. So he was robbed that God might have glory. I wonder how many of us are willing to be robbed of this or that or the other. Now, don't get quiet on me already now. If God needed someone in this day that could be healed of some terrible, terrible disease or sickness, but he must prove it by this specialist and that one and another and a scan, and an MRI, and a CT, and this one, and that one, and a doctor here, and a doctor there, and a doctor over there, and another doctor over there. And then when God does it, records from from one state to another, how many of us would be willing to say, Lord, I will? Four of us, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Takes us a while to think about it, don't to process it and say, now, Lord, I don't want to commit to this if I can't do it. You see how the glory of God is so intertwined with our life. And yet sometimes the glory of God cost the recipient of those works such a price. I find this amazing because the disciples, the preachers, they didn't look at this man as an object of mercy, but rather a subject of a discussion about theology. So they never even looked at the guy and said, poor guy, is there anything we can do for him? Jesus, have mercy on him. Oh God, please be mindful. They don't even look at him that way at all. But they look at his situation and they go to discussing the theology of how did this man get this way? May God help us to never be so cold and so indifferent. Oh, don't you want to be touched? Don't you want to be touched by people's failures and their weaknesses and their frailties and their infirmities? So the disciples look at him and, you know, imagine how it must have broken the very heart of the Lord Jesus. So what we see in this, that Jesus is showing a greater view of suffering, which had not up to this time been viewed correctly. We remember Job, of course, and different ones in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and they went through a suffering, but yet it was still not brought as clear as it would be in the New Testament. So Jesus brings out a view in the New Testament and then Paul picks it up. Peter picks it up. Paul writes about it in Hebrews chapter 12 if you'd like to read that with me. Verse six and he says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth." Which means to train children, to be instructed, taught or learned to chasten by affliction of evils and calamities. Wow. Anybody in line behind me for this? (laughs) Oh, wait a minute, maybe I should be behind you. (laughs) Listen now, what the Word says, to chasten by affliction of evils and calamities to chastise with blows, to scourge of a father punishing his son for whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth. I know we laugh about it sometimes about going to church. Well, what are you expecting to church today? A whooping. I'm going to church to get beat up. I'm going to get the hide tore off of me. I know we laugh about it, but I'll tell you one thing. You ought to be one of the happiest human beings on the earth if God corrects you. That means your sons and daughters. That means he loves you. You ought to be so grateful he won't let you do wrong and never even make you feel bad about it. There are people that claim to be Christians, There are men that claim to be preachers and they can cause one of the biggest messes ever was in the ranks of a message or in a local church or whatever and never feel one bad feeling from God at all. They will tear up this and that and the other and spew out their false doctrine or whatever it is and will cause all kinds of situations and never feel terrible at all. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad that my Holy Ghost, if I think the wrong thing, if I don't even have to say the wrong thing, if I think the wrong thing, If I get the wrong attitude, praise the Lord. Brother J.D. told you about an attitude I had one time. I'm so glad that when I do that, my father won't let me go on and say, well, it's okay. It's fine, it don't matter. It does matter to our God. And it not only matters to God, but it matters to his children. Notice to whom the Lord loves us, he said he chasteneth. us. And scourges every son that he receiveth. So every son that comes to God will be chastened and he will be scourged and chastised. Notice in verse 7. If ye endure chastening. Now notice the further stage of chastening. So God could spank you or correct you and then you get an attitude and you still don't go on to poison. But verse 7 brings the volume of it together. If ye endure, which means take patiently to remain, not to recede or flee, to preserve under misfortunes and trials, to hold fast to one's face in Christ. Bear bravely and calmly ill treatments. Bear bravely, how many needs help this morning? Bear bravely and calmly ill treatments. If ye endure chastening, God deals with you, deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Now the disciples are going to get a view into the history of, and the sadness of this man's life. And yet, the glory of God is going to be expressed in him in a way that was not expressed in any other character in the entirety of the New Testament. We don't have time to get into it this morning, but I'd like to take this man right here and show you the mystery of redemption lays right in the very life of this man. Even the very word that Jesus chose to use to send him to a certain pool signified the mission of the Lord Jesus to the earth. But watch this man, the disciples wandering now, and the Lord Jesus totally blows their theology out of the water, and he said, neither one of them, but this man was born blind that the works of God might be made manifest in his life. So the disciples are gonna see it. Now, the man himself is going to receive two aspects of illumination. He's going to receive sight in his eyes, but he's also gonna receive sight in his soul, praise God. For this man was the very one that stood up before the scribes and the Pharisees and said, for they know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of him and doeth his will, him he heareth. Whether this man be a sinner or no, I don't know, but this one thing I do know, where I was blind, now I see. The prophet said this guy had some pretty good theology on himself. Now, so this man is fixing to experience the glory of God, but look at the price. Look at those years. He would never regain them, Brother Rob. All the years as a young man. We don't know if he was married or not. Scripture says nothing about a wife or nothing about children. The only thing it mentions as far as family is his father and mother. Now you're saying, why didn't his mom and daddy let him stay at home? Why in the world, when they come right down to it, whenever they said, they asked the, asked the mother and father, said, what about this guy? I said, I'll tell you what, he's old enough, ask him. They wouldn't even stand with their son after he had been miraculously healed by the power of God and yet the Lord Jesus said, this man was saved for this purpose. This man was reserved for this purpose. As a matter of fact, I knew it would happen and I allowed this to be on him, and there was a time I was gonna take it off. I hope you understand what I'm gonna say. I want my life to bring glory to God. Anybody else? Sometimes that might be by me laying my hands on the sick and them recovering. Other times it might be by me preaching and someone gets saved, someone gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and it might be other times that God will allow me to go through a trial and a test of my faith and I stand there and I will not be shaken, I will not be moved, and i wait for the day of my deliverance. There might be times that God will let you and I go through something like this, man, that will be prolonged. I, I pray carefully myself about such things as this. And I say, God, unless you have a reason for this going on longer, would you move for me speedily? Now this is the way we've been praying for Erica for a long time. Lord, unless you have a reason for this going on, if there's a reason somehow that you want another doctor to see her, another nurse to see her, that will have to testify of the glory of God, then we want that to happen. But if not, Lord, make a hasty miracle out of her life. Look at Brother Ron Spencer. He told me some time ago, one of his doctors told him at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville that whenever he is healed, it will be one of the most proven, authenticated miracles that have been in history. Why? Because one scan after another, one doctor after another, one test after another, if God would have healed our brother the very moment that he found out about it, there would not be near as much proof. And oh, sometimes I wonder about his pain, his heaviness. And I know a person not long ago, he vomited eight times before going to church to preach on Sunday morning. You think he wouldn't rather be healed? You think he wouldn't rather have it behind him? You think he wouldn't rather be able to stand and not have to to deal with all that he deals with, taking all these pills every day of his life, and the doctor said, if you ever stop it, you will not live no time. It will overcome you, and you will die. but he has to find an individual that is willing to suffer that God can use them for that glory. I changed my mind. I don't want to be first in line. (laughs) Let's start back there. And we'll make the end of the line right up here on the platform. We'll start back there. Anybody willing? I didn't think so. Brother Eddie, what is it about us? Oh, we want the glory of God, don't we? I mean, wants God to use you for something. Would we want this? I wouldn't. You see, it takes a very special person to be able to be tried in this way. When you see others being delivered, Others being healed and changed by the power of God, and God touches you in intervals and moves for you. It's not that He's unmindful, but it's like He touches you with this touch, and attached to the touch is the words, "Wait for further explanation." So he brings strength. How many ever been there? Whenever you just felt like you were at the end of your rope and you didn't know what to do and you felt like you couldn't make it another day and the Spirit of God would touch you and help you and yet not totally deliver you. And then somebody else, the next service turned in a, a, a praise testimony. Oh, I want to thank God. I'll tell you what, I come to the prayer line and I needed this, this, and this, and God heal me, God deliver me. And you're thinking... God, I was right behind them. I was right behind them in the line. I needed it too, Lord. I needed it. Why didn't you hear me? But can God trust you for two more months? Can God trust you for another month? Brother What about it, sisters? Can God trust you for another few more weeks? Can God delay? Let's say it this way. He would get this much glory if He healed you immediately. But if He waits, and He strengthens, and He encourages, and He uplifts, and He helps you, and He helps you, and He goes a month, two months, six months, a year, and then He goes way beyond all of that. And He gets, uh, I can't go no back. He gets all that glory, but it won't cost you. You may not be able to go on picnics with your children. You may be even knocked out of service sometimes. You may not be able to go shopping. But maybe days you don't feel like even getting out of bed. Oh. Can God Find some in his family that will be willing for such. He will. And don't worry, he's not looking necessarily for volunteers. He's looking for the chosen. Every man in the New Testament cannot be this type of a person every preacher in the message could not go through what Brother Ron Spencer's went through. I think this morning and I sat and thinking about him of my dear little precious friend, Brother Tim Pruitt. God in his wisdom chose to take my little brother's wife And I was with him standing back there the other day with my arms around him, both of us crying because of Sister Karen's passing. And I have to be honest. I hope and pray to God that God never does me. Does he like it? No. I said, Brother Tim, how are you doing, buddy? He said, Brother Donnie, I've just, I'm going on. I'm, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to commit to him. But he said, it's so hard. He said, me and Karen are close. Like you and Carol. I was down at the youth camp. I so miss seeing her. Going to their house, so miss seeing her. I thought, my goodness, I miss seeing her just getting us here a few times a year. I cannot imagine what they're doing with. Brother Tim would have had a choice and a preference. And the Lord would said, what do you think? I'm thinking about taking Karen. What do you think? I know him well, enough but I said, no, Lord, don't, please. Please don't tell her. How will I live, Lord? But somehow, I don't know how. Somehow, God will get glory. Do I understand why the Lord Wanted to take one of my right-hand men, Brother Jim Babb. When Brother Jim was sick, I never, ever thought he would pass. Never. I thought, no, we we, we need him too much. No, Lord, no. You, You can't. Do I understand why? I don't. Brother Gene Lehman, do I understand why? I don't. On and on I could go. But I know this. Our Father makes no mistakes. But I guarantee in fulfilling the will of God, there are hearts setting here today that are still dealing and suffering What's the loss? Ask my son-in-law, Scott, if he still misses his daddy. Ask my daughter, Alicia if she misses, she loved Jimmy like a father, second father. Ask my granddaughters, Ashley, Courtney, Sister Lindy. don't need to ask her. You know how she feels. Some of the rest of you that have lost loved ones and you think in a premature time, why would God do such? Somehow, he will make it work to his glory. But Brother Daugherty, what do I do? My life is turned upside down. You go on serving him. Broken hearted, yeah. One of your greatest treasures taken from you. I hear the prophet, as he says, when God took my wife and my little girl, and he said the thing that shook me, and I couldn't understand it. And he said, but then sometime later, I saw her as a young woman. beyond the curtain of time, you remember the story. He saw her as a young woman. And I saw that wagon and the broken wheel. And I looked at her and I realized, thank you, Lord. If he would have let her live, she might have turned away from him. So he had to take her. You can hear him still in 1965 dealing with the loss of that first wife and that little baby. Still dealing with the pain. And Satan come to him, no doubt, year after year. Well, you know what the devil told him, standing there at the casket, he wouldn't even have to look your way. He wouldn't have to say a word. Yeah, you've served him and you've done this and that and the other and look at him now. Now he won't even answer your prayer. The prophet said, I was about to the place and I said, well, if that's the way he is. But he said, thank God there was a tie post. And I said, the Lord give and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Friends, I can't say that I fully comprehend what suffering in time And suffering as a mortal does. How that it translates into qualities that are eternal. But we know he himself suffered greatly. That he might become part of us. Aren't you glad he did? Notice Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 9, For I think that God has set forth us the apostles last. Was we're appointed to death, we are made a spectacle unto the world. The word spectacle here is a word associated with the Roman arena. So, but this time they're already doing the gladiators and so on in the, in the arena. And Paul was placing the apostles as they were out in the middle of the arena and the spectators were on looking. Notice how broad he makes the audience. We are the spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. So the angels are watching while the apostles are being laughed at, ridiculed, made fun of. The world is looking on, and other men are looking on. And Paul is trying to understand, God, why would you make us, as the apostles, you set us forth last But yet the apostles were the ones who were called first. Notice how it goes on. Oh my. In verse 10. For we are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. Notice the difference between the leadership and the body. Oh, how we've reversed this around down through the ages. I'm going to make idols out of the preachers. That sure wasn't the way it was in the New Testament. Almighty said, We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked and buffeted. Lord, have mercy. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul being hungry? Lord, I'd love to have been able to bought him something to eat, wouldn't you? Him being hungry, being thirsty, and didn't even have the proper clothes to wear, and yet one of the greatest men of God that ever stood on the earth, why, why? God is getting something out of his life which does not come as praise, adoration, and honor, and so on, but it must be begotten by suffering. And yet the apostles' names are in the foundation of the city. For eternity, every time you go in and out the gates of Pearl, and you look back on those walls there will be the names of the 12 apostles in that great city. They will have great honor, but think of what a price it costs Lord God, we are naked, buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our hands, being reviled. Look at the word to reproach, rail at. Revile, heap abuse upon. We are reviled. We bless being persecuted. We suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. Look at the opposites, being defamed. They make fun of us, they laugh at us, they call us all kinds of names. And we entreat, which means comfort, to call to one side, to admonish. Exhort what's being molded in these men, character worthy of foundation identification. Friends, do you honestly think a lot of these radio preachers and television preachers in the modern days would be the worthy kind of men to have their names placed in the foundation of the city of God? We, being the bride, we're different from the church. We're different from people that are just saved. There must be a character from us that must supersede and go beyond the church. Can I have a few more minutes? Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world, off-scouring Refuse, metaphorically, the most abject and despicable men. Isn't that strange? You and I would count it as such an honor to hang around Paul, but yet they were made the filth, the filth of the world. Why? Wow. Getting ready for glory. You see, we're on a journey to the throne. Remember Joseph's journey? Remember David's journey? Remember Esther's journey to the throne? Character must be molded from the call and the summons to the crowning. A character must be molded in us which will match our Lord. Lord God as the filth of the world, and are the off-scouring. Listen to this word, off-scouring, which is wiped off, dirt rubbed off, scrapings. So the scraps, the dirt, the grease, the filth, the off-scouring, the Athenians in order to avert public calamities yearly threw a criminal into the sea as an offering to Poseidon. Hence the term become used for an expiatory offering or a ransom. So Paul is looking at himself and the other brothers in the leadership of the church and said we are the filth and the offscouring. We are an expiatory ransom for you as the bride. Oh my Lord. Let's read a couple more scriptures, if you don't mind. Second Corinthians chapter one verse three, "Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You ever looked at it in the right way? If there's anybody ought to be able to pray for somebody that's got cancer, it'll be somebody that's got cancer or experienced it and got healed or had a family member. Why? They know a little bit about the pain. If there's anybody that ought to be able to have a feeling for a caregiver of someone who's terminally ill, it ought to be another caregiver that has to minister to a mother or a father or a child. Now notice Paul says then, who comforteth us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Do you understand? Instead of us feeling sorry for ourselves, Whenever we go through so much stuff, if we'd only read the scripture right, we would realize God does not do this to put us all to where we live by ourselves, excluded from everybody else the rest of our life. But God wants us to connect with others who have been through a similar thing. I'm not talking about a psychological therapy session. I'm talking about a child of God ministering from their heart to another child of God. No wonder the Bible says when Job prayed for his friends, God turned the captivity of Job. Why? Because God wanted him to reach out and realize the finale of his ultimate victory is not pointing to himself, but reaching out to others. Oh my for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound us by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which also we suffer for, whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Listen, this is where the nominal church stops. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The cross, the cross, the tomb, the cross, the tomb, the cross, the tomb, the cross. How many churches around Tri-Cities today and that's as far as they ever point their people to. I wanna point you to the other part of that verse. Because I believe there's bride sitting here. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings. Several years ago, I was with Brother Fred Mullins, and sister B down in South Carolina, I'm in Carroll. And they began to tell us some of the things they went through as a young boy and a young man and a young girl and a young woman of how they were treated by sometimes white people yes, and how rough they treated them, yes, the names they used and the names and synonyms and things that they were called. It absolutely broke my heart as I sat there, tears welled up in my eyes as I heard what they had been through. But yet in one sense of the word, I could not relate because I'd never been called those names. If Brother Joel Brown would have been sitting there, Brother Joel sitting at the same table, he would no doubt be able to relate in a way that would be foreign, altogether strange to me. Both of us humans, both of us with feelings, maybe he and I both sitting there with tears in our eyes, but he would have flashbacks of his own things that he's been through for the same cause. Why? Because people have a race problem. And I'll tell you, there ain't no children of God full of the Holy Ghost that's got a race problem. If you claim to be a Christian and you got a race problem, you better get the Holy Ghost. Amen. It would touch me, and it did, it broke my heart, but Brother Joel would have an affinity that I would not have. Don't you understand that's the way God was? God could hear the anxieties of his people. He could hear the trauma. He could hear the whys and the wherefores. He could hear all of that, but he could not relate until one day he came down and sat down around the table himself and said, now I know how John's gonna feel. Now I know how Mark's gonna feel. Now I know how this man, this woman, now brothers, I know how you're gonna feel when the prophet of God said he himself suffered sexual temptation. Listen to those words, suffered, suffered sexual temptation. You know as well as I do, if you've ever had any bad temptation, there's some temptation, well, it bothers you. But there's others, they actually cause you to suffer. And the Lord Jesus allowed himself to suffer. He allowed himself not only to get sick, but to be tempted in such a degree that it caused him anxiety and stress and suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 6 whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Notice Philippians 3 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. 2 Corinthians 4:8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Let me close with this. We are perplexed, but not in despair. I love this, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Persecuted, but not forsaken. You see, no matter what you're going through, if you look at it the right way, there's a positive that always goes with your negative. But if we're not careful, we will focus only on the negative. So let's focus on the negatives in this verse. Persecuted, cast down, always bearing about in the body, beat, whipped, made fun of, suffered stripes. If that's what we wanna focus on, we can, or we can focus on the rest of the truth. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Amen. There you go. Amen. Glory to God, how many can say amen to that? Amen. Stand to your feet. If you have been persecuted, but not forsaken by the grace of God, How many of you can say by the grace of God, I've been cast down but not destroyed? Oh, glory. How many has been run down, run over and everything else but not give up by the grace of God? Have you felt like it? Oh, sure, there's times you felt like it, but something down inside of you would not let go. Oh, he said, glory to God, I'll tell you one thing, I made up my mind to quit, which time? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it ain't determined by us making up our mind. He made up his mind before I had a mind. Amen. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body for which we live and are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Verse 15, for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now listen at all these things that I've described and listen to the way that he puts it up in verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. All of that, hey, I ain't even finished with it I'll Wait till we get to more of it. There's more yet to come. And he called that a light affliction. It's a man in time looking to eternity And comparing what eternity is going to give to what he went through in time, and he said, "It ain't even nothing. It's like it is. It's but for a moment. Oh, it'll pass away so fast." Praise God. Let's bow our heads if you would. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord God. Father, we love you today. Lord, I'm sure that under the sound of my voice and the visible audience and invisible as well, Lord, many have been through so many things. Lord, I'm not talking about self-inflicted or things that we've caused and brought upon ourselves, but since being your children. Oh, Lord God, and We have to be honest with you, Lord. We don't always understand why you do what you do, but we have to trust you and know your ways are absolutely perfect. Oh, my, what a contrast between the service last Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning when we saw Esther going up to her position to be crowned. My, we all rejoiced it. Praise God. Now this Sunday morning we're brought back down to the journey to get from the summons to the crown. We endure a little bit more about the suffering and the the problems that we face or that sometimes engulf our lives. Lord, and we have to be honest with you, we don't always know how you're going to move or when you're going to move. We just believe you will in your time. I don't think there's any of us here today, Lord, that would want to walk down streets of gold. I don't think there's any of us here today that would want to walk into the paradise of God and have to be babied, that you kept every trial and every test away from us. But I dare say there's probably just as many that would say, Lord, I'd rather you didn't take my husband. I'd rather you didn't take my wife. God, don't take one of my children. God, don't let me have a terminal sickness where I'll be sick for years on end. Please, God, I beg you don't. And I'm so glad, Lord, that if we would even think such a thing, that you look down on us and you say, I understand. For you yourself did not want to go to Calvary. You did not want to die. The prophet said you loved your disciples. And you didn't want to leave them. Y'all had gotten so close and you were the best of friends and you didn't want to have to leave them. So you prayed, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Lord Jesus, thank you for understanding our humanity. But ultimately what we want is for you to have your way in our lives, Lord God. Hallelujah. How many be willing with me this morning just to raise your hand and say, Lord, here I am. Take me, use me, whatever you want. And keep in mind, friends, before you do that, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Well, Brother Donnie, I'm afraid, what if he does this or that? Well, if he does, you found confidence and you found favor in his eyes. There's only one Job in the Old Testament Oh, there's only one. There's only one blind man like this. God knows what you can go through. And don't, don't ever get under that fear. Oh, God, what if God will do this? What if God will do that? Don't live under that fear. Just live under trust, knowing that if He allows you to go on this trek and this path, He's using it for a purpose. And He'll help you and He'll strengthen you. And when you get there that day, He will reward you for your pain and use your suffering Because you submitted to his will. I imagine when we get there that day and Brother Tim sees Sister Karen, Sister Linda sees Brother Jimmy, all these other brothers and sisters, oh my goodness, they meet their spouses. And the Lord Jesus will have a reward for them. You didn't understand why I took him. You didn't understand why I took her. But I had a reason. And I saw my greater glory and I saw the greater good, but I'm gonna add this to your record. I saw the tears you cried. I saw the lonely nights that you spent. I saw the days when you wrung your hands and you said, I'm finished, Lord. I have nothing else to live for. I have no more joy in my life. I will reward you today, my daughter, for your sacrifice. I will reward you, my son, for your sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Lord God. Take us as the clay, Father God, into your hands today. Mold us, shape us, make us. Lord, if you delay, help us to endure. If you say, wait a while, I've got one more doctor I want to look at you. And then after that, it'll be your seventh time around Jericho and you're totally delivered. We don't want to rob your glory from you or We don't want to rob your glory from this or that. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, help us in our trials. Help us in our tests, Father, that we can be faithful. Oh, grant it, Lord. Get it, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many wants to be faithful in trials? Faithful in tests? Would you just raise your hand to him? Oh, Brother Darnia, I'm afraid he'll put more on me. No, children, you can trust him. He's not going to do that. He will never put more on you than what you're able. We can just be honest. Father, we want your grace and we want your mercy. We get frightened when trials come our way. You did. The Bible says it was heard in that you feared. Brother Graham told us whenever you sent them there that day and you went with them to Jeriah's house and whenever you said she is not dead, she's only asleep and they laughed you to scorn and the prophet said it embarrassed you so your face turned red. So whenever people say things to us about you and your word, you understand how we feel when our face will feel a little bit flushed. Thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for doing that for Brother Louie, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being embarrassed and being humiliated. Oh, Jesus, give us strength. Give us courage, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name today, Heavenly Father. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the King? Maybe you're in between past six and seven of marching around Jericho. Maybe you're on day one. I don't know where you are, but God's mindful of you, friends. He's mindful of you. He'll never put more on you than what he'll give you strength to go through. Don't think he gets weary with you coming and laying your burdens there. Well, I've been sitting this week where the prophet told us to ask for much and ask for many things and ask for great things because he said you can never ask God for too much. Praise God. We worship you, Lord. I hear the words of this song. Keep going over and over in my head keep me sanctified when the storm clouds gather and the battle gets rough and the way seems so hard when I've tried so hard Oh, grant granted, Lord, whatever I do and whatever I say, keep me sanctified. If you know it, let's sing it together. Keep me sanctified. When the storm clouds gather, when the battle gets rough, God, ever I see, keep me sanctified. Let's sing this verse The Messengers, the Messengers came
1: one evening, and they said to Joy. Children have died. I can hear Job say, Though God slay me, I'll trust Him. He lost everything he ever had gained, but He stayed sanctified. Keep me sanctified when the storm clouds gather when the battle gets rough my way seems hard Lord when I've tried so hard and I've been such a failure whatever Sanctify, keep me sanctified. When the storm clouds gather, when the battle gets rough, and my way seems hard, when I've tried so hard. Such a failure. Whatever I do, whatever I say, keep me sanctified. When the messenger came to old Joe one evening, and he said to Joe. have died I can hear Job say though God slay me I'll trust him he lost everything he ever had gained but he stayed sanctified keep me sanctified when the storm clouds get when the battle gets rough my way seems hard in Jesus I've learned to trust in God
0: To trust in in Jesus Jesus. I burn to trust in
1: sorrow. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God Stay. times I felt awesome. so old. so old. let me stand there sure oh did. but in my lonely, hours, my lonely hours those precious lonely hours Jesus let me know I Stay Lord, I thank you for the valleys. Yes, we do, Lord. Thank you for the storms you brought yes. me through. Yes, Lord. Oh, cause if I never had a problem, I'd never known my God could solve them. Hallelujah. I'd never known. What faith in God could do. So I say through it all, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned he's the mighty God. the lord we enjoyed church today hallelujah amen god knows exactly what to give us and when to give it to us don't he amen we don't understand a lot of things on this side but if it's worth knowing he'll tell us about it on the other side praise the lord god bless you remember service wednesday night we just come back looking what god would have for us appreciate all of you getting to be here been a privilege and an
0: honor let's sing this song just had it on my heart as brother donnie was preaching
1: we'll understand it in the
0: by and by let's sing that we'll talk it over
1: in the by and by we'll talk it over in the by-and-by we'll talk it over my sweet lord and i i'll ask the reasons he'll tell Bye. Side of heaven, oh, yes. we know in part, Thank you, Lord, I will not question. Oh, yes. the broken, heart. Amen. Sing it as you go today.